0: Jesus is risen. Amen. What a world-changing, life-changing truth. I mean, the, the, the truth is, you know, the resurrection is, is the hinge point of the Christian faith. Without the resurrection, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, um, and I'm here to be foolish enough to say, I believe he did. If he didn't, then, then Christianity really is just a, just a house of cards, It all collapses in itself. Uh, And because in the resurrection, Jesus rising from the grave in it, he proves that he is who he said he was. God in the flesh. And if Jesus is divine, then here's the great news. We can trust his promises. And and this morning, uh, we're going to take a look at one of the most wonderful promises that jesus made it was a promise that he uttered while he was still on the cross it's a blood red letter uh, that that jesus spoke uh, that is the promise we're going to look at this morning uh, i don't know if you knew this or not but jesus he, he wasn't crucified alone uh, that, that's, uh, the, the Bible tells us that there were thieves on, uh, either side of Jesus being crucified also. That's why when you, when you get the Easter card, sometimes there are three crosses, not just one. It's not because Jesus was crucified three times. It's because two other people, two other guys were there beside him. And the Bible doesn't tell us much about these two thieves. We don't know their names. We don't know where they're from. We, we don't even know what they did to deserve this penalty of crucifixion. Uh, but we do know that they both interacted with Jesus one mocked Jesus while the other uh, had a short exchange with Jesus that changed his eternity and very well could change yours and mine too. Now, let's take a look at how that went down in Luke chapter 23. Uh, this is, this uh, comes right before the scriptures that Jamie read for us earlier this morning. One of the criminals hanging beside Jesus scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus looked at this criminal who deserved death and spoke the most wonderful blood-red letters of them all. A promise really filled with the love of God. Jesus said, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, welcome to Easter at Troy United Methodist Church. We're so glad that, that each of you is here today. I, I know that, that you uh, had a, at least a dozen other things that you could be doing on Easter morning, and yet you chose to be here and worship uh, with us, and I, I am so, so glad that you're here. Uh, we're honored by your presence, especially if you're a first-time guest and you uh, haven't been here before. Uh, my name is Andy. I'm privileged to be the senior pastor here at Troy UMC, and And I'm just uh, thrilled uh, that you're here. In fact, I'd love, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to have the opportunity, but I'd love the opportunity today to to meet you in person. But I'm curious what kind of person I'd actually meet. Like when I reach out and I shake your hand, what what kind of person am I meeting? So I've got a kind of an icebreaker question for you today. Um, How would you rate yourself on a scale of one to a hundred? Think about that for a second. One, One is like you're, Creepy, weirdo, axe murdering—you know, sinner. Typical Cub fan like me, <laughs> right? Uh, well, hundred, on the other hand, is perfection. It's it's never sinned. Like you, you are Jesus-like in everything. Now, in case some of you are wondering, let me just be clear from the beginning: you're not a you're not hundred. You're not. You, you might think you are because you love the blues, uh, but you're you're not you're not a one hundred. Uh, so honestly, where would you rank yourself? Uh, think think of your number just in the next 10 seconds here just come up with the, the number in your head well, where do I rate on a scale of 1 to 100 where do I rate think of your number now when you have your number I want you to lean to the person on your right or your left and tell them your number okay no really I want you to do that so, so do, do that now have, have a go at it well what's your number tell the person around you you're not exempt do it Josh behind the side tell somebody your number People online, tell somebody your number right now. Even if you just type it, put it on Facebook. What's your number? (laughs) So how did that go? You feel feel good about that? Now, now be honest. Uh, I know most of you, you thought of a number. And then when I said share it with somebody, you lowered it. Like probably, I'm, I'm guessing like an average of 15, the number went down when I said, uh, tell somebody else, you didn't want to come across as too proud or, or, or too arrogant, anything like that. But, but uh, you know, you, you told somebody close to you, but I, I want to kind of get a poll of, of everybody here. So, so just be ready to raise your hand and keep them up when I get your category of number, okay? Uh, so so how, how many of you here uh, see yourself as one to 30? Would you just ra- raise your hand for a moment, it's okay. You can own it. Um, all right, now, uh, uh, ushers, AKA bouncers, uh, these people with their hands raised, you might just want to escort them out. They're bad people. They're bad people. You, you know, I'm just kidding. Uh, we should hang out sometime, really. Uh, I'm a Cub fan too. Uh, but, uh, okay, now, now how, about, how about those of you who ranked yourself somewhere between 31 and 50? This, all right, that's good. You know, you're on the lower half, folks. Uh, you, you know that. You're, eh, uh, you've got some questionable behavior here. But, uh, but, but you know what? Here's, here's the good news for you, those of you 31 to 50. Uh, I, I'm not going to get the bouncers on you, first of all. But also, God loves honesty. Uh, so I'm really glad that, that, that you're being honest today. This is a, a good place to be. Be encouraged. Uh, how about those of you 51 to 70? Oh, all right. All right, that's, that's good. All right, now, if you're sitting next to a 51 to 70 kind of a person, especially if you rated yourself lower, just kind of tap them on the shoulder. Uh, just say, let them know, let them know, you're, you are a good person. I am glad I came to church with you today. Uh, or, or, or how about this? Who's in the next, the next uh, phase up? Uh, the, the 71 to 90. Yes. I love I love it. The youth all just raise their hands. Uh, 71 to 90 that's good now now if you're next to one of these people just rub up next to him hope hope some of that comes off on you these are good people uh, uh, and uh, any anybody willing to just be, be honest you, you are a 91 to 100 you're somewhere in that range a couple of you a couple of you yeah a couple more youth I saw one of the, I saw this happen Ooh, yeah nobody else is raising their hand uh, <laughs> Uh, your aura is like so strong, it's a good thing only a couple of you are here. Uh, and, and you know, the, you're probably guests too, aren't you? You're not part of our regular congregation, are you? No, no Billy Grahams or, or, or Mother Teresa's uh, for us. But uh, have I mentioned I'm really glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you for uh, you 91 to 100s. Well, let's take a look just for a moment. I want you to take a look at what, what your typical Metro East person thinks of themselves, Take a look at this video. I would probably give myself a 75 to an 80. I'm honest, I'm caring, I am selfless for the most part. I would say that I rate myself about a 70 out of 100 because I'm, I know I'm a good person, but I still have room to improve. On a scale of one to 100, I would rate myself a 90, because while I think that there's always room for improvement, I think that I live by integrity, and I try to treat other people how I would want to be treated, and I'm always working to better myself. I would rate myself as less than a zero in comparison to God's greatness and Christ's sacrifice and goodness. I don't know, 85 or 90, because I feel like there are still some things that I could work on. I scored myself with an 88 because I'm a strong, confident, compassionate woman with a vulnerable servant's heart. I would rate myself an 87 because I think overall I'm a pretty good person and a good mom and good friend, but I am no perfect person and not a perfect mother or a friend. 100 because I second what he said, and I believe that although we judge ourselves in our opinions, God has said that we are his masterpiece. Probably saying around a 79. Uh, reason being is because I'm imperfect just like anyone else. I have my strengths and weaknesses. 80 out of 100. Realizing that there's always, always room for more patience, I'm a 50. I've certainly not arrived you know, at this place where I feel like I know everything and everything goes right. Maybe there's people out there like that, but that's not me. I'm gonna say 75. I think that leaves room for the improvement that I definitely know I need. But overall, I'm a pretty good person. I would rank myself at a 75. Um, I try to do the best I can taking care of everyone around me, uh, my kids, my parents, um, try to be a good sister. Uh, but I do know that I have areas I need to improve on. I would rate myself at a 100 now, and that's because I've been saved, and I know the Holy Spirit lives inside of me to help me out. So where I am weak, he is strong. Don't, don't you love that? So you throw out the zeros and the hundreds uh, and their theological answers, uh, and and just about everybody, almost everybody was at least a 70. Right? So, so I, I'm kinda, I was kind of weighing how many of you. I, I would say that we're maybe just a little below average compared to the rest of the Metro East. Um, I, I don't know about that. You can, you can That was just my take. If somebody else saw it a little bit differently, uh, you know, the youth brought us up. But, uh, but now <laughs> uh, in, in our scripture today, really, we're, we're looking at a couple of guys who would rate in that first category. The, the ones to thirties. These guys uh, would have raised their hands then. They were a couple of bad guys. Scripture says they were criminals, thieves. And, and they were led out to be crucified alongside Jesus. They, they were going to be crucified. These, these were not good guys. Good Good people don't end up getting crucified outside of maybe Jesus' case. When Jesus lived, crucifixion was just one of many different options uh, for execution. In fact, it was the most expensive way to execute someone. And so, therefore, it was reserved for, for, uh, to, to publicly humiliate someone, to inflict excruciating pain upon somebody. In fact, the, the word excruciating literally means out of the cross. Ex-crucifix, out of the cross. Uh, it, it was a very expensive way to execute because it required a handful of Roman soldiers, and it took a lot of time. In some cases, it would take several days for a person to die. They would, they would hang there naked, sun beating down on them. Some people would go mad before they died. Uh, you know, vultures and, and uh, you know, scavenging animals would hang around, uh, waiting for an opportunity to, to uh, have a free meal. You know, crucifixion was was used to humiliate and torture the worst of the worst. In fact, it it was not typical for a Roman citizen to be crucified. Uh, uh, Rome saved this penalty, this judgment for people who were uh, non-citizens, foreign slaves or Jews. Um, and, And so those people weren't just executed for their crime, but also for who they were. And so Jesus, he was hanging between two pretty bad guys. And we don't know what they did, but a lot of scholars suggest, well, if they're being crucified and, and they're identified as thieves or, uh, or uh, revolutionaries of some sort, that, that probably they were, uh, they murdered somebody or stole something and, and killed somebody in the process. We don't know for sure, but, but there they were hanging, hanging by Jesus who we would call the worst of the worst. And that's where this interchange begins, this, this interaction between them. First, the mocking from one criminal, and then the courageous defense of Jesus from the other side, followed by his plea. Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And of course Jesus amazing reply to this guy who could do nothing right who who could never make up for his sins who really only deserved the judgment that he was receiving to him Jesus promised today you will be with me in paradise I mean this story more than any other place in all of the Bible illustrates one of the most important scriptural truths And and corrects maybe one of the biggest Christian myths that exist in our society today. Uh, And if you have your message notes with you, uh, make sure, write this down. At least write it on your heart this morning. You know, one of the biggest Christian myths that that exists today is something that I hear with regularity, but is is not true. Uh, It's the belief that good people go to heaven. That belief is just, it's just not biblically accurate. Not in the least. And part of the problem is this belief, uh, with this belief is, is the question, well, how good do you have to be? Where, where, where on that scale do we need to land? Do you need to be at least a 50? Well, half of you are doing all right then. Uh, or, or maybe you need to be at least at least an average of a 75 for the last five years of your life. Or, or, or maybe, gosh, maybe you need to be a 90. If that's the case, we really better get working. Or maybe you just, maybe you just can't be below a 10. I mean, you see the problem with this, don't you? Who knows? No, nobody knows. How good do you have to be? But, but most people today want to believe, well, I'm at least in the 70 to 80 range. I'm, I'm better than most people. Gosh, I, I, I'm not that bad. If I try really hard and I'm a good person, then then maybe hope, hopefully hopefully, I'll, I'll get to be with God for eternity. But friends, that belief that, that is so commonly held, it is a Christian myth. It is not biblical at all. And, and these amazing words that Jesus speaks to this obviously self proclaimed self admitted bad person proves proves that this is a myth. this is a Christian myth. The truth is forgiven people go to heaven, not good people forgiven people and there 's really a big difference. He the Bible really teaches us that nobody's good no, no nobody's good at least not good enough. Jesus himself declares that only God is really good. Only God is good. Nothing. N- nobody can compare to him. Uh, elsewhere, the Bible tells us that everyone is sin. A- everyone falls short of God's glorious standard. And, and consequently, the wages of that sin is death. That Nobody measures up to perfection because we are sinful, rebellious people. We, we turn from God. We, we do things our own way. Really, we prop ourselves up and make ourselves our own God, following the ways that we think are best, even though God doesn't necessarily say that those are the best ways. And because of that, the Bible says that we, just like the criminals hanging on crosses next to Jesus, we deserve death. Not, not, not like crucifixion, not like the death penalty, but ultimately, we, we don't deserve to be with God. For eternity, we deserve eternal separation from God, eternal death. You know, good people don't go to heaven because there are no perfectly good people. Instead, forgiven people go to heaven. And the Bible teaches that despite the fact that we've fallen short of God's glorious standard, that God, in, in His undeserved kindness, declares us righteous. And He did, did this through Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sin. And despite the fact that the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. And if that's the case, then then maybe we should take a look at what we can learn from this contrite thief as he interacts with Jesus. Because, I mean, let's face it, if he can be with Jesus in paradise then that gives each of us some hope, doesn't it? If he can be with Jesus, then certainly anybody can. Uh, I think we can at least learn a couple of things uh, from, did I lose my, lose my batteries? Hook me up with a handheld. At least, uh, hey, thank you, Jamie. Got this one? Okay, let's let's stick with this one. Uh, at least, at, at least we I think we can learn a couple things. First, uh, verse forty-one. This this criminal, he admits, he admits that he's wrong. He admits that he's bad, that he isn't good. You know, when I was in in grade school, um, I had hair, uh, but when I, when I was in grade school, I, I was a pretty good kid. I I, I got good grades. I uh, was generally a pretty compliant kid. I obeyed the rules i I, I followed the rules um, and and so I, I really didn 't get into big trouble often uh, in fact the the first time I really really remember getting into big trouble was was actually in church and and this meant that that I must have been really good because i didn 't even start going to church until I was about eleven years old, uh, and I started going with my best friend nate uh, and and his dad was the pastor of this church. Well, Nate and I, uh, we we would be at church every Sunday uh, for the duration, like morning, uh, early morning until lunchtime. Uh, we would go and, and we would uh, go to Sunday school class during the, the first worship service time. And then during the second worship service, we would hang out in the balcony uh, of this uh, I thought at the time, a really big church building, but, but it was relatively small. And, and nobody would sit in the balcony. Everybody would be down on the ground floor. And we'd sit in the balcony by ourselves. Um, and oftentimes, we, we wouldn't really be paying attention. We wouldn't be listening. We'd be playing chess or, or reading a newspaper. Do you remember what those are? Uh, like uh, there, there weren't cell phones so we couldn't play games like that so we we, we went old school with chess and newspapers uh, but one one Sunday we didn't uh, we kind of got bored with those things as you can imagine and and we we uh, laid down underneath the all wooden pews um, and and laid down on the all wooden floor in this church balcony and so we we were there and uh, of course 11 year old boys we that wasn't Enough, we couldn't keep our hands to ourselves, so we started wrestling and under the pews in church during the sermon during the sermon. So so at the time, I like I said, I thought this was a really big church, but, but a few years ago, I went back to Park United Methodist Church in Bloomington, Illinois, and I actually saw how little the sanctuary really was, and, and all those feelings started flooding back of that time I got in trouble. I was like, everybody, in other words, everybody heard us. There wasn't anybody who didn't know there was a racket going on in the in the pews up in the balcony, and I remember uh, during, during the time, during our wrestling around, um, I heard Nate's dad uh, from the pulpit in the middle of his sermon go, let's say something like this. <clears throat> I think we have a problem here. And later I found out that on the front rows of the pews, there was this, this older gentleman whose wife like had to hold him back uh, from coming up and just beating the living tar out of us. But, but I heard Nate's dad say this and I froze and all the guilty feelings started flooding over me. And I said to Nate, I said, Nate, Nate, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Um, uh, I think your dad just said, I think we've got a problem here. And here in my heart, I'm thinking, um, uh, I, I am bad. We're we in big trouble. I am really bad. This is horrible. We're in trouble and it, we're in church. Um, and, and so all these feelings were going through my mind. And Nate, Nate was, on the other hand, he was much more optimistic. And, and he said, oh, I, I don't think he's referring to us. <laughs> he, his back has been hurting him lately. Nate, Nate was a Cub fan too. Uh, but, you know, very optimistic. But in, in other words, he, he, he was thinking, oh, oh, we're not that bad. Well, You might be here today thinking the same thing feeling the same thing. I, I'm not that bad. In fact, I'm pretty good. So I just wa- want to take a moment here to ask a series of questions that I borrowed from a pastor friend of mine just to prove the point that maybe we aren't as good as we think we are. A fun Easter game that we're going to play. First question. I want you to raise your hands for this. How many of you have ever told a falsehood? You know, oh, all right, hey, write a, uh, a lie. We'll, we'll just call it what it is, a lie. Have you, now, keep your hands raised, uh, if you've ever told a lie. Now, if somebody's hand isn't raised, somebody just turn to look at them and say, you are a liar. Okay. Uh, all right, now, hands down. Second question, second question. Uh uh, this one's a little more personally revealing, but I, I, I'm going to ask it anyway. I want you to raise your hand. Uh, how many of you have ever taken something that wasn't yours, that didn't belong to you? Okay, uh, just a confession story. When I was seven or eight years old, went into a store with my mom. And I, I I, like, I took a little toy that was out loose from its package, and they're in the parking lot. I, I was like, look, look, mom. And, and, and she said, where did you get that? I said, well, i brought it with me, <laughs> it's my, and you know what that's called, that's called shoplifting, um, and, and when you do stuff like that, you could be called a thief. Uh, it works with taxes, too, I've heard, so, so if your hands weren't raised, uh, maybe they, they ought to be raised. So, so um, okay, all right, how about this one? Now, I don't want you to raise your hands with this one. This, I, I want you to keep your eyes on me. Everybody, just, just make eye contact with me as best you can, um, and what I want you to do is, if this is you, raise an eyebrow okay uh, have you ever had a lustful thought <laughs> eyes on me don't look at each other some of you are like you know go you're spasming your eyes are going up and down uh okay all right that's uh, enough of that all right you need do you know what you know what Jesus you know what Jesus said about having a lustful thought? He was talking to some men, and he said, "If if you ever lust after a woman in your heart, then then you've committed adultery with her in God's eyes. In other words, if you've had a lustful thought, uh, then then you are in God's eyes, in Jesus' eyes, an adulterer. So let's just call this w- what it is." Uh, if you've done all of these things, and most of us here have, then you are a lying, thieving adulterer. <laughs> Happy Easter! <laughs> Welcome to Troy United Methodist Church, where all of our sermons are uplifting and encouraging. <laughs> okay, so hope, hopefully, though, I mean, I think you get my point. Ho- hopefully, um, we've established that compared to the standard of the Bible, the standard of perfection, that we've all, we've all fallen short. None of us is good. We, we are less than a perfect 100. And, and we can learn from the contrite thief hanging next to Jesus because he admits it. He admits that he isn't good. He admits that he's guilty and that he deserves the penalty that he is receiving. He admits it. But he does something else too, something that, that we need to emulate if we also want to be with Jesus in paradise one day. The second thing that the contrite thief does is he asks for eternal help. Now, this is important uh, because you see both of the criminals in this passage, both of them ask for help, don't they? They they both ask for help. The the, the first one said, so you're the Messiah, aren't you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. Now, a a lot of people when when it comes to God, even if they're not sure that there is a God. Uh, they, if there is a God, they think, well, certainly I, I want this God to help me, to, to help me out in this life. He, that, and that's what this first criminal does. He, he wants Jesus to save him from his earthly plight. And I think we do too, don't we? So, so we come to God oftentimes. So God, God, if you're there, if you're there, if you're for real, hey, would you make my life a little better? Would you help me out of this tough spot? Help me get that promotion. Oh God, help me get that date. Lord, would you would you help me buy this house or or get that better job? Lord, just, just protect those I love. Heal the cancer. God, if you're there, help me. Help me now. But the contrite thief, he asks for help eternally. Here's what he said. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Check this out, friends. Both thieves are guilty. Both were suffering severely. Both were were close to death. Both desperately needed a savior both heard and saw the exact same things transpiring over those fateful six hours. One was forgiven and one wasn't. What can we learn from this? Ultimately, to be forgiven, we have to admit that we are not good, admit that we're wrong, and ask for eternal help from Jesus. And the reality is every single one of us I mean, we're, we're like those two thieves. We'll, we'll either respond to Jesus with, with self-righteous indignation or with humility and repentance, with, with arrogance or with pride. Uh, and, and um, Arrogance and pride or with contrition. And You and I have that choice. It's before us constantly, all the time. And this Easter... It's before us again. You see, the great news is we know the end of the story. We know what comes later. We know what the thieves didn't know. We we know that Jesus didn't just die. Jesus also rose from the grave. Jesus defeated death. And because of the resurrection, we can celebrate today. We can celebrate today. We know that Jesus is who he said he was and that what he promises, we can trust in. His promise of paradise for the thief was was not some empty promise. It it was fulfilled because Jesus really is who he said he was. He really is the savior of the world. Let let this scene soak in for you. Just soak in that reality for a minute, the reality that, that it only took a moment for this thief to go from eternal death to eternal life. It only took a moment of heartfelt and genuine humility where he admitted his wrongdoing without any self justification, without blaming somebody else for his plight, and asking for eternal help from Jesus. And in that moment, something happened. Something amazing happened. Jesus confirmed it with what he said and confirmed it to the nth degree with the resurrection. This man went from death to life. He went from being eternally condemned to being set free. He went from being stained with his sin to being in God's eyes as white and as clean as snow. Jesus had paid his debt in full and that moment changed him that moment that he received the love and grace of god the trajectory of his eternity was changed forever and the truth is a moment like that can change every single one of us too you see salvation isn't something that you earn by doing good over time that is a christian myth salvation happens in a moment but lasts for eternity. You know, my moment took place on July eighteenth of nineteen ninety. That's when I surrendered my heart to Jesus. I admitted that I wasn't good, and I asked Jesus for help—help help that I couldn't give myself. And there was an invitation at my summer camp that um, that year, and it all clicked and made sense. And God's love for me made sense. And I was like the first one up out of my seat and on my knees at at the altar. And that night, Jesus confirmed in my heart that I belong to him. And you know what, today um, is April 21st, 2019. And April 21st, 2019 sounds like a pretty good date for a moment like that to happen in some of our lives. You don't have to be a good person to experience a moment like that. In fact, you can't be good enough. You can make today your moment and have the trajectory of your life and your eternity changed forever when you admit your wrongdoing and ask Jesus to remember you when he comes into his kingdom. I promise you, in your heart, you will hear the words of, of Jesus that he uttered from the cross, I assure you, you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for pouring out your love on people like us. People who aren't perfect. We have our faults, we have our failures, God, and and despite all that, you, you have already given us This life, and yet we have, goodness, we've made a mess of things. And yet you love us anyway. You love us enough to offer us your amazing love when we turn to you with humility. And so, God, we we come before you just as we are, imperfect, broken, as those who have made a mess out of some of the good gifts that you've given us and, and as those who are not good, at least not compared to you. And Jesus, we need your help. We we desperately need your help. Would would you remember us? And if you want to make this personal today, I just invite you to pray this prayer in your heart as as I pray. God, would you remember me? Would you welcome me into your kingdom, both now and for eternity? In this very moment, I invite you to be the leader of my life and to wash me clean. I, I want to claim this moment. April 21st, 2019, as the moment when I became yours. Others of us remember our moment and we celebrate it again. This day, because of the cross and the empty tomb, have made it possible. And God, for all of us, as we continue to worship you, would you infuse us with hope, That because you rose from the grave, we can face everything that may come our way in this life. And that we can face it with courage because you've set us free from the power of sin and the power of death. Thank you, Jesus. And all of God's people agreed and said, amen. I want to point out to you this connection card. Um, And we're, we're going to prepare our hearts To uh, give uh, our morning offering, and I'll explain that in a minute. But, but uh, I, you know, I, I'm not a big put you on the spot kind of a pastor. Uh, I might occasionally, but in general, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. But if you feel like you surrendered your heart to God today and you had a moment, would, would you just write that down on on the prayer request card here? I don't want don't want you to have to stand up and introduce yourself to everybody give a speech or anything like that but but a moment like that is worth celebrating it doesn't matter if you've been in the church for 40 years or for 40 minutes uh, a moment like that is worth celebrating and if you just write hey today was my moment i, I would love to just follow up with you and just celebrate with you that is worth celebrating uh, so you can do that put that in the offering and as you prepare your your hearts for offering and the ushers come forward uh, know that that a uh, uh, of all of our offerings, uh, 7.5% of every offering goes to the work of God beyond our church. Um, and, and for Easter, an additional 5% will be going out and, and works to support people locally in our community going through difficult times, as well as uh, those suffering in our region and around the world with uh, natural disasters. And we can think of, of flooding right now, uh, that a lot of this, uh, these funds will go to flood buckets uh, to help people clean up after they've experienced disaster. But let's uh, let's, let's pray for God to bless this offering. Lord, uh, you have blessed us. With this offering, would you take it and multiply it so that others can know of your great love? We pray that simply in the name of Jesus. Amen.